So let's open our Bibles up, John chapter 8. <clears throat> Excuse me, John chapter 8. And we are going to pick it up where we left off. Uh, I want to say it's good to see you today. I really look forward to Sundays because uh, it's the only time I really get to see most of you and, and uh, just to look at your faces. And, and I don't get to talk to every one of you every week, obviously, but uh, it, just to see you here, it tells me, it's encouraging to me that, you want, that there's, some, there's a need in your life. You want to be with the body of Christ. You want to be part of what's happening. And, and it tells me that you have a heart that, that wants to hear what God has to say. And that's exciting and encouraging to me, too. So thank you uh, for looking at me. <laughs> Please don't look at me. I'm getting nervous now. So uh, John chapter 8, last uh, two weeks ago, we talked about this, where Jesus you know, talked about who you belong to. Who do you belong to? And, and he was talking with a group of people who were very antagonistic, very negative, and uh, Larry and I have been talking about the different, you know, pronouns they hear, and it applies to different groups of people. But he was talking about those, and he said that they were, you know, they were relying on their connection to Abraham. They said Abraham is our father, and that was true in a sense by descent. But they didn't have any real connection with God themselves. You can't get a connection with God through somebody else. It has to be direct. And Jesus was very blunt with them. You know, he says, you may be related to Abraham, but you're not related to God the Father. He's not your father just because you are related to Abraham. You're not free, he said to them. He, says, he said to them, you know, you have no room for my word. He just had said previously that if you are truly my disciples, then you're, you know, you're going to abide in my word. He says, you have no room for my word, no place in your life for my word. And then he said this, and it's a kind of a radical statement. Of course, Jesus is famous for that. He said, you belong to your father, the devil. You belong to your father, the devil. So who do you belong to? You either belong to God or you belong to the enemy. Because he kind of has this thing uh, over the world. And it says that he's the father of lies. He's the murderer from the beginning. There's no truth in him. But Jesus came along to bring truth and to set people free from that. And some people accepted him and they believed in him and they trusted him and, and, and others like this group that he was speaking to here they made it very clear they had no intention of following after Jesus no intention whatsoever he said I'm telling you the truth but you refuse it you can't hear because you don't you don't belong to God but he opened the door for them he said to them if the sun sets you free what you will be free indeed the door is open, so he gives that. So, so he says all these things to them, and again, they were very blunt, very radical things he said to them, and so their response, we're going to pick it up with their response to some of these things that he was saying, and their response, really, they insult him, they call him names, they blaspheme even. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, you know, when we call people names, we usually get pretty upset and we're mad at them. We don't want to hear what they have to say, right? And we start calling them names. That's kind of what happened here. Seems like 
Seems like that's what we should do when we're kids. That's childish, right? But we still do it. But it really gets back to the most important question of all, which is really the theme of the Gospel of John, is who is Jesus? And, and if you get anything from the book of John, the Gospel of John, is that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. He's God the Son. But they said this to him in, in, in the uh, NIV text here. They said to him, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? They said that to Jesus. So that's where we pick it up here. Verse 48, it says, the Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? Now, they're talking to Jesus here. Can you imagine speaking to Jesus like that? I mean, their first, the first thing they say is, aren't we right? And, and that's like an attitude. You know, we're right and you're wrong. And you're talking to Jesus and telling him that? But they called him a Samaritan? They, they called him demon-possessed? I mean, you can't get much lower than that. That's like such a cut. You know, Samaritans were despised. We looked at that in chapter 4. The Samaritans were despised. They were looked down upon, like they're the, the lowest of the low. And, and, and yet, when you think about it in, in John chapter 4, the Samaritans actually received him. Right? The woman at the well, and then she went back to the town and told them, and they all came out, and it says they, you know, they received Jesus. Said, they said, you know, and we don't just you know, believe because of what the woman said. We believe you because of what we see and hear of you personally. So they received him, but, but, but they're calling Jesus names. This is blasphemy. They're calling him demon-possessed, and, and we'll get to that in different uh, parts of the Gospel of John when they, you know, they say, you've got a demon, Jesus. And Jesus says that this is blasphemy. This is blasphemy, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, as a matter of fact, that you would say something like that to him. Now, they're accusing him of blasphemy, but what they're actually doing is committing blasphemy. Verse 49, Jesus said, I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. He said, I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. You know, this idea that he was seeking the glory and trying to raise himself up, he says, I don't even have to do that. I don't need to do that. In, in Philippians, it talks about, you know, he didn't have to grasp the fact of who he was. They're saying, who do you think you are? Well, he didn't have to answer them. He didn't have to say anything. The Father spoke on his behalf. Who, who do you think you are? The Father would say, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. That's what the Father said. He said, you dishonor me, you know, to dishonor the, the Son of God. And, and, you know, I see it in the news all the time. This star or that star, you know, uh, making fun of Christians. It's becoming more and more prevalent. But what they're actually doing is down, 
and dishonoring Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that is the sin of unbelief, and that is what will keep us out of heaven. That is where we go wrong. Look at verse 51, another radical statement that Jesus makes. He says, I tell you the truth. He says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If anyone keeps my word, he'll never see death. So is that open to only a certain group? What does he say? If who? And he's speaking to people here who are speaking against him or dishonoring him. They're, you know, calling him names. They're even blaspheming. He's saying, if anyone, it's even open to you. Jesus was like that even to those that were completely against him. Sometimes... This isn't always the case, but sometimes those who are the strongest against Jesus end up being the strongest followers of Jesus. Is that true? You think of Paul the Apostle, that's what happened with him, right? He was, he was going out having Christians killed. He, he hated Christians, and he, and he thought he was doing God's service. And he ends up, his life turned around, he ends up being Paul the Apostle, you know, giving to us a huge portion of the New Testament, God working through his life incredible ways. But Jesus says this here. He says, I tell you the truth, if anyone, even them, keeps my word, he will never see death. I looked up this word never in my what? Blue letter Bible, of course. And, and this is what it said. For never, he will never see death. The word never equals never, certainly not, not at all, by no means. That's pretty strong, isn't it? That, that if you and I keep his word and we receive him as our Lord and Savior, and John chapter 1 says we believe and receive, we become children of God, he says you will never, never, certainly not, not at all, by no means, ever see death. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? For him to say that to these people who are like throwing stuff in his face. You say, well, yeah, but does that mean we're never going to die? Was he talking about physical death? No, because we're, we're going to die physically. These bodies are just going to wear out. And thank God they do because, you know what, I wouldn't want to live forever in this body. I don't know about you. Just get older and older and older. You know, that's why I think they guarded the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. They guarded the tree of life so they couldn't eat it and then just, you know, get older and older and, 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 and forever. That go on forever and ever. Like, oh, that's like, that's like torture. That's misery. But there's something called spiritual death, isn't there? You know, death is basically separation, when you're separated. When we die physically, our, our spirits, our, our souls are separated from our body. That's, a, that's spiritual, you know, that's what, what happens at death. So death is really separation. So spiritual death is separation as well, but it's separation from who? From God himself, forever and ever. That's what the Bible says. That's what hell is described as, the place where where we'll be separated from God forever and ever. Spiritual death, he says, you will never, never, certainly not, not at all, by no means see death. You will, you will not enter into that for those that belong to him. I read this quote by 
Pastor Chuck, he said this, I believe that one day, he said, one day I will leave this body and people will, will read in the papal, uh, the papal, the paper, not papal, he's not the pope, he's not the pope. In the paper, Chuck Smith died. He said, that's poor, poor reporting, inaccurate to say the least. To accurately record, they must write, Chuck Smith moved out of a decrepit, worn-out tent into a beautiful new mansion. He said, I won't be dead. I'll be very much alive there in the presence of God in His eternal kingdom. Paul said that, you know, to live is Christ, to die is what? Is gain. It's going to be better. And that's what Pastor Chuck was saying here too. You know, we, we will see the Lord face to face, he said, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to be there in His presence, seeing Him. That, you know, this life is nothing compared to the fullness of life that we will have. We will never, ever see death. In fact, the life is going to open up to us in a, in a more incredible way than we could ever possibly imagine. That's pretty cool stuff, don't you think? I mean, Jesus, if Jesus is standing there and he said that to you and you, and you, you know, wow, I want that. I don't ever want to see death. I want what you are talking to me about. That would, should be a good response, right? I would think. So what is their response? Look at this. Verse 52. At this, this incredible statement that he made, at this the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. He promises life to them. He opens it up to them, even, even to them who were rejecting him. They understood. They heard him correctly. They certainly did. And yet, they still turn away and reject him. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But the truth is, we were all there at one time or another, weren't we? Rejecting Jesus. You know, I've told you the story where, you know, as a kid, you know, we were out and we went to the church and, and uh, got on the back of this little Pentecostal church, which was just a little house made into a church. We went in there and just mocked him and made fun at him. And, and some of the kids were smoking cigarettes inside this little church. We were mocking them. And I still don't know how this happened. But somehow they got us up to the front of that church and prayed for us. I don't know how that happened, honestly. But I believe that in some way those prayers were answered in my life. And I don't know about, I, I can't remember who the other kids were who were with all of us that day. One of them I know who is a believer. But we were all there at one point or another, turning away, rejecting him. I don't want to hear what you have to say. We say it, you know, we've said it to people, you know, who are believers who are want to just share life with us. I don't want to hear what you have to say. You're like on off the deep end. You're a Jesus freak weirdo. I don't want to know about that. Maybe someone has said that to you. That's enough. Don't talk to me anymore about this stuff. 
You're, you're, you're like weird. You, got, you must have a demon in your life. You're demon-possessed. Verse 53, though, they go on. They said, are you greater? And this is like with a sneering tone. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Because he mentioned Abraham in the previous context. He said, are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Can you, can you just hear that in their voices? I wonder, has, has, has anyone ever said that to you? Have you ever said that to someone else? It's usually not with a nice tone. Like, oh, who do you think you are? It's not like that, is it? How is it? How does it go? Like, who do you think you are? Telling, you know, telling me what to do. Who do you think you are? We, we go through that when we're growing up. You know, we, we fight against any kind of authority. Who do you think you are? Trying to give me a ticket for, you know, driving 100 miles an hour. Who do you think you are? That just gives you another ticket and might get you into jail, right? But that's what we do. And that's what they were doing. Who do you think you are? It's such a ridiculous statement saying that to the, to the Son of God who is God. Well, how about, you know, that He's God, that He's Lord, that He's Savior, that He's, in this chapter alone, He's the light of the world. He's, he came from above. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He gives freedom. He gives truth. Who do you think you are? Well, haven't you been paying attention? Haven't you been listening? I've been trying to tell you. Jesus didn't have to, like, beat them up or anything. He, just, he just continued to, to tell them the truth. There were only, you know, a few instances where Jesus kind of, like, got upset and did things. And, and when were they? Anybody remember? In the temple, when he cleared out the temple, right? And most people believe there, he did that twice. So, so anyways... Jesus is just telling them the truth, speaking the truth to, into their lives. And he, he didn't have to shout at them. He didn't have to force them. It's their own choice. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, verse 54, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God... He's the one who glorifies me. Again, he didn't even have to speak up on his own behalf. He says, if you want to know, ask God the Father. You claim that he is your Father. You claim that he is your God. Ask him. See what he says. We know that Jesus was certainly glorified by the Father. It's, it's found in many, many instances but, you know, they didn't really want to know the truth anyway, so they wouldn't ask God. But they didn't really have a connection with God anyways, as Jesus had already told them, if God were your father, you would accept me. But God isn't your father. He's not your God either, or you would. You would listen to what I'm saying. Abraham did. Abraham listened. Now, Abraham, again, had died Anybody know how long ago Abraham had died at this point in time? Just, just throw out a wild guess. 
Who said 2,000? 2,000, that's right. About 2,000 years. It was 2,000 years previously. Abraham had died 2,000 years ago. Now he's figuring into this discussion, this conversation that Jesus is having with these people. Keep that in mind. Verse 55, Jesus says, Though you do not know him, that is God, the Father, I know him. Reminds me of Elf speaking about knowing Santa. I know him. I know him. No, it wasn't anything like that. I'm sorry. He says, though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him. And I keep his word. I do know him. Now, the interesting thing about this particular verse, there's, he talks about the people he's speaking to. He says, you do not know him. And then he says, I know him. Now, it's the same word in English, right? But it's two different words in the original language. I looked it up. Where did I look it up? You, are, you people are amazing, I tell you. You just amaze me. But it's two different words. The, the word used for them knowing God is the word gnosko, which you know, is used many, many, many times. But it means to come to know or to know by experience, that you come to know or you get to know somebody. You get to know them. And so this idea of knowing God the Father is, is an important one. And I think that Jesus is saying this maybe in a, even an invitation kind of way is that you could know him. You could get to know him. And I think that's true for you and I, though, that we could get to know him. We could come to know who he is and have this experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ. Paul, in fact, he says in, uh, of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I should say, Paul says in, in Philippians that the greatest thing in all of life is knowing Jesus, knowing him. So you've got this idea of getting to know him, and, and for you and I as human beings, that's what happens. You don't wake up and you know God. You get to know him, just like you get to know a person in the room. Your friends, someone you are related to, someone that maybe you're married to, you get to know them. It's, a, it's a, an ongoing process. The word that's used of Jesus knowing the Father is a completely different word. It's the word edo, or ido, and it means to know inherently. You know. That's very different, isn't it? Why is it so different? Because of who he is. Because of who Jesus is. He doesn't have to get to know the Father. He knows him because he and the Father are one, as we're going to see later at the end here. He, there, there's a, a relationship again, and it speaks to, directly speaks to who he is. Jesus Christ, God the Son. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This incredible, talk about koinonia fellowship, the fellowship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit from all eternity is absolutely incredible. Let's move on. We're going to finish up here. Verse 56, he said, Your father Abraham, by descent, that is, he rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Now, he speaks again. We, 
Abraham had been dead for 2,000 years. Jesus is, you know, still young. And he makes this statement about Abraham like he knows. He says, your father Abraham, he rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. That's a radical statement. He's making this kind of statement. He has this knowledge about, about Abraham and, and what Abraham saw and what Abraham knew. You know, people ask the question, well, when did Abraham you know, rejoice? When did he see the day of Jesus? Well, you know, there's a lot of different ideas about this. You know, maybe uh, some think, you know, when he went up to Mount Moriah and he was going to sacrifice his son Isaac, you know, that, that through that whole process that, that God revealed to him that one day there was going to be a day when his son would be sacrificed, but, but he would actually die. But Hebrews tells us this, that, that speaking of those in the hall of faith, in the chapter 11 of Hebrews, it says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So Abraham is included in that group of people. So when did he exactly see it? It's hard to know, but, or did he see it in heaven, from heaven? That Jesus was now sent to earth. The point, of, the point of it is not so much when did it happen. The point of it is that Jesus knew all about it. Verse 57, You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you, and you have seen Abraham? They're like going like, what are, are you even talking about? 1950 years previously, if you were 50, well, he was only 30-something anyways. He wasn't 50. But Jesus answered, and this is, a, this is the, uh, probably the key verse of this chapter, maybe one of the key verses for sure in the Gospel of Jan, uh, John in verse 58. He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, or literally, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, he says, I am. Again, the, the words that are used here, before Abraham was, or before he was brought into being, because Abraham was brought into being, he, he didn't exist from eternity. He was born, he... he he came into, he brought, was brought into existence, into, into being. But Jesus said, you know, that's, that's Abraham. But, but before that even happened, he said, I am. That's, a, that's kind of a, how do you even say something like that? Unless you are God. He said, I am. He says, I exist. I, and they're different words. He says, I wasn't brought into being. They're saying to him, who do you think you are? And he says, I am. That's, that's who I am. I am. It speaks directly to his deity, to his pre-existence, before the earth was ever formed. It speaks to the fact that he's the eternal God. And, and you think of what it says in Hebrews as well, that Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Before 
he came to the earth. He's, he was the I am. He was the Logos, the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh, it says in chapter 1. Now, you and I, if we, if we had some knowledge of something, of, of something that happened in the past, we would say, I was. I was there. But Jesus didn't say that. He, said, he didn't say, I was. He says, I am. I think there's something to that that you and I need to like, open our minds and hearts to and, and think about and meditate on. In this life, the life that you and I lead, that He is the, the I am. Look back in chapter uh, 28 and verse 24. He's, he's already said it actually twice. Look in verse 24. He says, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am. Same construction. Those words, the one I claim to be, you can see that they were added. And then jump down to verse 28 as well. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. Again, those words, the one I claim to be, they have been added. And that I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. He's already been saying it to them, but they, they were not listening. But I think you and I, it, it should be for you and I to, to listen to what is he trying to say? What is Jesus saying if he says that I am? Well, I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, we're going to look at one verse before we finish here. In the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Because these people that he, that he was speaking to, they knew, they knew the book of the law. And the, in the book of Exodus, the second book of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They knew these words. Look at chapter 3 of Genesis, uh, Exodus, verses 13 and 14. And Moses said to God, Moses is at the burning bush. You, you know uh, most of the story. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Moses is asking God. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Do you see the direct connection here? There's no question. There's no question in, in the minds of these people who are listening to him. They were you know, Pharisees. They were teachers of the law. They, they, they knew all about this passage. And when they heard those kinds of words spoken, there was no question in their mind what Jesus was trying to say to them. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. And by the way, this word Lord that we that you find in your Bibles in the Old Testament in all capital letters that we translate most often as Yahweh, it's a form of these same words. I am 
who I am. Uh, you could some translate it as the being one, the one who is. So back in, in uh, John chapter 8, verse 59, they understood, they knew what he was saying. In verse uh, 59, it says, At this, at this statement that Jesus had just made, it says they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. They picked up stones to, to kill him. They thought at that point, too, that they were fulfilling the Scripture. Leviticus talks about anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. They thought they were doing that, but they didn't have a clue who they were standing in front of. It would happen again in John chapter 10. Jesus said those words, I and the Father are one. And it says again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Again, they did it. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And they said, and this is their answer. This is the direct words they said. We are not stoning you for any of these, any of the miracles or anything you did. Replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. A mere man, you claim to be God. Who do you think you are? Jesus answered, he says, I am. He is God. You and I, you know, and no matter what we face in this life, no matter what, what you're going through, no matter what it is, I, I was thinking about this, no matter what it is, he is. He is the answer because he is God. And you can go to him for anything and for everything. I just hope that every one of us has the right attitude and we, we, we see him for who he is and we fall down before him. And we don't pick up stones to stone him, but we rather fall on our knees to receive him and, we, and, and, and accept what he has to say and, and allow him to be the Lord and in the God of our lives. That's what He wants. That's what He desires. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Father, we thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus. And Jesus, we know You were despised and rejected of men. You even knew, you knew of course, from, from, from all eternity that that's what would happen. And yet, while we were still sinners, you came and you died for us. You conquered death, you rose from the dead, that we could have life and that if we trust you, we will never, ever see death. But to live as Christ and to die as gain, we'll be in your presence and see you face to face. One day soon. We look forward to that, Lord. And again, that's our hope. That's our, our confident expectation that we will be with you one day. Lord, I, I pray right now for each one of us, no matter what 
it is that we might be facing. What kind of trials, what kind of troubles that you're standing there with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us and that you are saying, I am. That you are God. And you are able. Maybe you need to cry out to him right now. Maybe there's something you need to just recognize him for who he is in your life right now, that he's Jesus, he is God. He is Jesus and he is God for you, for me. Maybe some of, some of you need to Open your hearts today. You never received him as Savior, as Lord. And today you can do that. You can ask him into your heart and life and receive and believe that he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the light of the world. And, and you can ask him in simply by saying, Jesus, please save me. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Be my Lord, be my Savior today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing together.